0: One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where we explore our guest's past by diving into the songs and the memories that those songs bring them back to. Our guest today is Janine Zeitlin. Janine is an investigative and enterprise journalist for the USA Today Network Florida. She's also written for The New York Times, The Washington Post, Vice, and BBC. Her journalism has received more than 50 state and national awards. Her reporting on Florida farm workers and migrant students during the pandemic was recently honored by the National Association of Healthcare Journalists and the National Education Writers Association. She's also the host of an upcoming podcast called The Last Ride, which investigates the disappearance of two men here in Florida more than a decade ago and recent developments in that case. On to the show.
1: Hey there, Janine. How are you?
2: Hi, good. How are you?
1: Thank you for doing this. Yes. It's nice to actually talk to you in person because I feel like we've worked around each other for years, but I don't know if we've really ever talked at length. I don't think so. I look forward to this. Um, Ginger colored pets. Uh Uh-huh. What kind of pets?
2: (laughs) I have a cat, Nala, and uh, she she is like, you know, orange. (laughs) And then we have a dog named Cashew. And he's a he's like seventeen pounds he's a mutt we got him or as a rescue and he's crazy. He's like a mix of chihuahua pitbull whippet, and um sometimes they like actually sit and are together.
1: Uh, so a dog and a cat. Dog and a cat. I was hoping <laughs> there was some other kind of animal. Ginger <laughs> <No. are> colored. <laughs> um.
2: But they match. It was unintentional. Our pets match, and they're about the same size.
1: That is great. Okay, so when you were driving here this morning, were you listening to music in the car? I was. What were you listening to?
2: I was listening to WGCU HD 2. Oh, so you were mm-hmm. listening to our classical. classical. I classical I am a classical listener, and uh, any any drive that's like below a half an hour, it's usually... H-D-2, W-D-C-U.
1: That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, were you in around this area when we took um, classical off the air?
2: Yes, and I was sad about that. Did
1: you take that hard?
2: Yeah, I did. It was hard. It was hard. And I I think what you put it on, I, for a while I could listen online. I mm-hmm. think I could stream it um but i liked having it throughout the day and only when i got my new car did i was I able to get the hd2 options and you were so. like hallelujah yes i was very happy about that
1: <laughs> you uh, you know who else took it really hard who roger williams did he oh he took it so hard yeah. he wrote letters yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um do you listen to terrestrial radio So not the HD.
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, I listen to you guys. uh, I listen to WGCU, but I mean, musically. Musically, not as much. Like I'll turn on like a mix from Spotify or like an or a podcast that's not music. Usually, if I'm in the car for longer.
1: We'll get to podcasts later. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So where'd you grow up?
2: I grew up in Ottawa, Illinois, which is south of Chicago. Do you know is, it,
1: is it Canadian?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> it's I, not, I don't know Ottawa at all. It's Ottawa, Can it's not Ottawa, Canada. We always have to say that. Um it's a small town, it's a river town, it's historic. It was the site of the first um uh debate between Lincoln and Douglas. Oh yeah. And we are also known as a site uh, for radioactive. <laughs> Uh, material where like back, I'm not sure when it was exactly, but there's a book called Radium Girls. And it talks about Ottawa is one of the locations where the women used to um, use radioactive materials to paint clock faces. I am
1: familiar with that story. Maybe not that town. It probably happened in more than just there.
2: Yeah, it was there in New Jersey. And so the women used to paint like... their like faces. The, ra- like, yeah, the radium
1: dials yeah. on things. And then they would, yeah.
2: Play with it. And so they'd like put it on their bodies and then they they obviously would die. So Pre-OSHA. Pre-OSHA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now there's a statue. There's like a statue in our town kind of dedicated to the radium girls.
1: Hmm. Um, what was the musical background of your childhood there?
2: So mostly I would say Church and Suzuki strings. I played violin. Oh,
1: as a, starting young,
2: starting very young. I was. Um, our house was small, and my mom wanted us to learn an instrument, so violin was an option. And I started on a Cracker Jack box when I was like four, and um, my brother too. So I played on and off up until about high school. So I wasn't particularly good, but I enjoyed it.
1: What made you decide to stop?
2: I think I was just so busy with like high school stuff um and then I also played clarinet and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't cool and at that time <laughs> and I think I was a little bit You know, I was a little bit in that stage where I wanted to be cool. But then I picked it back up again my senior year and, like, took a couple classes when I was in college. And I actually, my husband just um, bought me a violin for Christmas. Have you busted it out yet? I did, yeah. I played Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, (laughs) like, with my daughter who's learning the trombone. So, like, it was pretty magical to feel that muscle memory because honestly it had been you know more than 20 years since i had a violin up to my shoulder and so i've been like i've been able to like remember some of the songs and Mm -hmm. so
1: what was uh what were you being exposed to musically in terms of like you know what were your parents playing what were you hearing around you what were the bands that you were being influenced by
2: so um I would say, I mean, church. Honestly, that's like hymns. <laughs> um, my mom was a big singer in church choir, and my my grandmother was had a beautiful voice as well. She was a soprano. So when we we'd go to church every Sunday, and we went to Lutheran church, and um, they were like probably the loudest singers in the church. <laughs> and
1: were you a singer too?
2: Um, I. I I did sing in the children's choir and then I was part of the community, like children's choir for a while, the Friendly City Sounds.
1: (laughs) Friendly City Sounds? Friendly
2: City Sounds. (laughs) Friendly City. So that was Ottawa, like. Is known as the friendly city too, along with. (laughs) Is it friendly? It is friendly. Super friendly? Yeah, it's friendly. I love to go back there. I love to go back there.
1: So, what about like music of the time where you, it sounds like so far you've, 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 you haven't brushed up against like, you know, rock and roll or country or. Popular music.
2: Yeah. uh, My dad was really into CCR. He's still really into CCR. So he had a bunch of old vinyl albums that we'd play periodically. And we listened to the oldies uh, station. The oldies station was in, I'm not sure why, but it was based in like a Holiday Inn in our town. So we'd like visit the oldies station. And I actually recorded a a commercial for them at one point. I what I found kind of commercial it. Is that? <laughs> it was I think they just wanted a young voice like on the Oldie station. It was just like I found it because it was in a holiday inn or, you know, some kind of chain hotel. Ah. Yeah. Um Oldie's ninety six point five or whatever it was. I don't remember the call. Um but yeah, so and then I did like I popular music as a kid. I really loved the soundtrack to Annie. And I think the first uh, like piece of music I bought my myself was the um, single like Hey Mickey You're So Fine by Tony Basil. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I had that memorized, <laughs> and I would you know my friends and I would just like dance to it. And... But
0: do you remember Ricky Lake using that as a promo song? No. Nor do I.
2: No. I
0: don't, Mike. I don't imagine you watched a lot
1: of Ricky Lake. (laughs) I've heard the name. (laughs) I know she was on TV. Yeah. I mean, it wrote itself, right? Hey, Ricky, you're You're so hot. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm just. That's so funny. (laughs) 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 Um, So, so that was the first. What would her be the first musician that you were intrigued by?
2: Yeah, yeah. But I listened to. You know, honestly, like I played it for my kids because sometimes when you have music that like meant something to you a long time ago I'll play it for my kids just to see their reaction and they were like totally uninterested <laughs> but uh, it was just so fun and I think the it was, the video was so fun and yeah and I could you could sing along to it too I, I like that aspect of it
1: were your parents cool with that kind of music yeah definitely okay. definitely that, the church draws a line sometimes yeah
2: yeah they were they were fine it wasn't like um they weren't conservative we weren't conservative family it was just uh you were lutherans yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Well,
1: we'll just leave that there okay uh, let's get to your let's get to your first song
2: so should i should i introduce it um
1: well you can okay or, you know how would you like to proceed I
2: don't know. okay so these this song the lyrics were important to me so maybe we listen to it first Okay. Okay.
1: All right. This is Janine Zeitlin's first song here on Three Song Stories. This is Conversation Piece by David Bowie off his 1969 album Space
2: Oddity. And I can see the water. Whew. that's, that, that's so, so weird. Like it's so weird to have. It's almost like surreal to hear. That song is so transportative to me that it's so strange to hear it in a studio now. But it takes me to. So I grew up on the back of a cornfield and uh, on a lane. So if I wanted to walk anywhere, you had to walk on the road around cornfields. So I would put it on my Discman. It was like my senior year of high school when I was thinking about leaving home and heading to college. And um, so it takes me to that time period when I was just walking a lot because I had a lot of anxiety about leaving and like also wanted to kind of resolve things too and figuring out who I was as well it was a time period when I was figuring out who I was and where I wanted to go um and I connected with the lyrics um he talks about you know walking (laughs) so (laughs) that's the start but also you know I'm, I'm a thinker not a talker and just not being able to express himself verbally and you know I I felt like that was who I was at that time too and I still struggle with that I'm at my core, I'm an introverted person, so it takes effort for me to be extroverted or even to express myself. But be- I was able to express myself through writing, and I learned that pretty early on. So I, my grandmother, my nana, gave me journals, and I'd write in journals, and I'd write essays. And, you know, David Bowie talks about essays lying scattered mm-hmm. on the floor with nothing— uh, that just serve their purpose just by being there, and that's kind of how it was for me too. Like I didn't want my writing to be seen, but then I also discovered that like I was also a pretty good writer. So I was the yearbook editor, and I became a teen columnist for the the local newspaper as well. And Does I your felt
1: column have a name.
2: Um, it was just teen like teen columnist, oh, okay. and then it would be like my name, like my name, you know. So I was one one of a panel of teen columnists in the the Daily Times in Ottawa. And um, I felt like that was a way for people to know me when I couldn't really, I didn't really feel like people knew me otherwise, you know, at least aside from my close friends and close teachers and family.
1: So if you were listening on your Disc Man, was this, you were listening to Space Oddity? Or was it? Yeah. it were, were we at a point where we could make mixed CDs yet?
2: No, we were. I was listening to Space Oddity. Uh-huh. So Space Oddity also like has a song, <laughs> Janine, on it that's spelled the same way. So I also kind of took that as a sign, like, oh, this David Bowie is this is my this is my CD. Like this is my this CD speaks to me, and it really did at that time in my life. But I that particular song, I would just play it on repeat over and over and i'd sing it as well like it was also a release so you know i can't like i would i would sing where you know he couldn't see the i can't see the road for the tears in my eyes and i was feeling that too like leaving home and i was going to new york city which was a big change i was going to attend nyu so i was feeling that weight as well
1: do you remember the first time you listened to that song in new york city
2: that's a good question. I'm I mean, it was probably on a walk too. Like it's I associate that song with. I was just wondering it, it seemed walking. like there would
1: be this like suddenly that song was like part of why it's still here today. But yeah. suddenly you're like I'm here, I did it.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I do remember I don't remember hearing like listening to that song in particular but while I was walking, but I do remember like walking in New York City and seeing like the glitter kind of on the sidewalks that sometimes you see in cities. And it was like, oh, like, this is magical. It was, you know, it, that song kind of helps me get there. And then I was listening to different Less maybe less sad music, right?
1: Less <laughs> pensive music. Yeah. Um, was New York City the goal all along, or did you wind up going there because you got a scholarship or whatever? Well, did you dream of the Big Apple?
2: I love. I loved cities. I love Chicago. Like I love just being. Honestly, I think I kind of liked the. Well, I liked the energy of a city, but I also liked the anonymity of a city, being in a small town where you feel like. People know everything, mm. and my parents were both teachers in the town too. So, like everybody, like oh, Mrs. Zeitlin or Mr. Zeitlin and have things to say, and you know. So it was kind of I was always intrigued by the anonymity of a city as well.
0: So Like counterintuitively, you can be more of an introvert in a city right. because you can, no one really knows or cares. You're, you're
2: right. For. You can just disappear, and may, that's a very good that's a very good observation, Richard.
1: So you went to NYU.
2: I went to NYU. Mm-hmm. And
1: you pursued writing, journalism, yeah, creative yeah. writing. What kind of, paint that picture. Um,
2: it was it was journalism. And I should answer your question a little more completely too. My grandparents both went to NYU. They were oh, raised gotcha. in. gotcha.
1: So you had a kind of a.
2: Yeah. So they were kind of, they were into it as well. So my Nana and my grandpa and they were New Yorkers. So they were like, they, they loved New York. And I think they passed that when I started thinking about like NYU because I got a brochure in the mail and I was like, this looks exciting. And I had, we had visited as well and I had kept a little like rubber eraser of the Statue of Liberty for some reason that I got as a souvenir and I kept it in my um like near my bed. So it kind of just implanted in me.
1: So journalism.
2: Journalism. Um, I was a good writer, and I like—I was a curious person, and it just seemed like a natural fit. I wanted to also make change in the world, and that seemed like the best option. I was thinking about social work, but then that also seemed a little too hard, so <laughs> I chose journalism.
1: Did you make it through in the proper amount of time?
2: I did because <laughs> NYU is very expensive, so there was no question. I worked way too hard in college. Like looking back on it now, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I can just, I should have just relaxed a little bit. But yeah.
1: Did you have any paying gigs for your writing while you were in college, or do you remember your first paying gig?
2: Yeah, I I wrote for the the school newspaper a little bit, and they gave you like a small a small amount um, of money, and then I was pain. I mean, I had internships, so they were non-pain. I worked for like an art art and auction, which was an art magazine. And then I I was an intern at the New York Daily News, which was really fun too.
1: Uh, Musical memories associated with your time in college in New York?
2: Um, Ska, ska, I would say like I have one of my best concert memories is I, one of my close friends is really into death metal. John, uh, John Neeson, and who he might be good for him on the show, but he's in New York. Um, So he's really into death metal, but I'm not really into death metal. But we had like a crossover band that we both liked, Mephiscopheles. Which do you know, Mephischofflees? No, is, Richard, this gonna be, yeah. is this going to be? Is going to be?
0: I'm excited by the name. Is that ska and death metal? Oh
2: yes. God. Yeah. It's like get play- on YouTube, <laughs> Richard. Yeah, I'm on. It. It's playfully. You can look up Bumblebee Tuna. That's yes, like that's their. One, yeah, yeah, that's like our Doomsday. That's another one. So it's like playfully satanic ska. That's how maybe you would describe it. I enjoy that description very much for this guest. <laughs> we so, are
1: pulling it up. So you got to see them live?
2: Yeah, we. I got to see Well, okay, so Mephiscopheles oh was playing with guar. Does anybody oh no know guar? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I okay. have so many guar stories. This is amazing. <laughs> it
0: kind of has Primus
2: vibes a little yeah. too, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: I'm watching. I'm watching Mike try to find a place to grip, to grip it. See Mike, there we it's
2: go. It's so fun.
0: <laughs> I can get down with this. It's <laughs> so fun.
2: It's crossover. It's their cross. I think it was their crossover I mean, like song. If you
1: if you like Moxie Fruvis there's something There's <laughs> no. It definitely something. took a Moxie was turn there after yeah. the breakdown. <laughs> after
2: the break. So, okay, so Guar and Mephiscopheles were playing at the Bowery Ballroom in New York. So, my friend John and I were like, "Okay, here's something we can see together." So, we went to see um I think Memphis was opening. Um and then Guar came on, and I think it was them at the time that was doing like the meat gr- meat grinding. Of the do you know do you know Guar like Guar's yeah. has part of it where they put like a woman in a meat grinder. And uh, that was too much for me. So, like, I went... They do a lot with go- uh, guar, <laughs> gore and yeah. um, stage theatrics that are extremely inappropriate. Yes. The um,
3: in
0: there's a mind. lot of... They wear a lot of very uh, codpiece situations. Yes. Anyway,
2: yeah. <laughs> but it was fun to watch. I, just, I I, left for the meat grinding part. I was like, this is too much. But, like, it was it was fun to watch. But I was there for Mephiscopolis and, like, skanking because I loved to skank and... When I was thinking about this
1: <laughs> <laughs> You tell by my face that I was trying very hard. No. I was trying to figure out what that means okay. through context. All
2: right, okay. All right. <laughs>
1: What does that mean?
2: It's just like dancing to ska music, like okay, together. that's what I was you know? assuming. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it wasn't during the time when, like, moshing was also popular, but I didn't like to do that because it was, like, too aggressive for me. But, like, skanking, you could dance, and it's a very easy dance, and you might, like, throw an elbow or you might, like, bump into somebody, but it was never, like, harmful. It was just, like, all joyful, fun play. kind of
0: like hipster moshing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just—it's more friendly. It's a little more friendly, um, but yeah, you can throw some throw some Yeah, at you, at you exactly. Yeah, in the to, Yeah. To mes- mes- <laughs> mes-
2: <laughs> and it's so fun. Like I was when I was thinking about coming here, I was like, where can a forty-three-year-old woman skank in Southwest Florida? Because like I miss it. There's like. Uh, it's been yeah twenty five years. I since I think I've if done anybody it. knows
1: where it's Tara. <laughs> Tara.
2: Okay, where 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 could I do that? You Tara? could go probably to Ollie's uh, pub,
0: which is downtown Cape Coral. That um, depends on the show too. Uh, the Free Coasters—they're like a reggae ska band—and my uh, roommate is actually the front woman of that band. Oh, nice! Uh, so you can look out for them. But nice guys, uh, Ollie's, yeah, those kinds of places. Okay,
2: so. great. Get that get, get get her skank on. I know, I would love to do that. <laughs> the closest I get to it is like water aerobics now. So that's the closest <laughs> I get to that
1: feeling. I think we just have a new generic promo. <laughs> <laughs> um uh I'm trying to decide which way to go. Sorry, next.
2: I totally detoured. No, that's great. That's
1: what we're here for. Um, do you still listen to that kind of music today?
2: No, not really. But like when I was thinking about it, this you know sometimes I'll turn it on. Like especially when like we're at home or playing at the pool or something. It's just fun to like listen to it with my kids.
1: What's your husband think of it?
2: Oh, he likes it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you guys have uh, musical tastes that diverge at all, or are they aligned?
2: Yeah, we both like like *Bossa Nova*. Um, and he likes French pop. Like, he'll put put in like and French pop videos are just so fun to watch. And um, there's a uh like a current artist who Jane, who she's a really good French pop artist right now that we like. And the girls like.
1: Okay, well, we will get back to your arc into a career in journalism, okay. but we're going to do your second song. Okay. Now. Which is the revolution rock yes would you like to tell a story?
2: Sure yeah so this this song I associate with like the per- first kind of perfect day in my memory of uh, as an adult like the like when when you have like a day like that and you're like, wow, this day everything went well and it just has kind of like a glisten to it so this is a song that I associate with with um, that kind of feeling, and that first time I remember feeling that as an adult. So I studied abroad in my junior year in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and we lived across the street from a bar named Salo, and there was a um, a bartender there who was just really beautiful. We all had crushes on him. His name was Olivier, and he, I think he was like friend. He was like French Argentine and had hazel eyes and we just spent a lot of time (laughs) we spent a lot of time there um but none of us like wanted you know we were just he was kind of just an object of affection of affection you know and um so it was kind of like a perfect bar too because it was like right across the street and kind of really safe for young women to be drinking and you know going to your apartment and um so one day he invited us like Finally, after just hanging out there for a long time to come to his house and his apartment and do like una parilla, which is like an Argentine barbecue. You put it on a grate and a lot of that's very common in Argentina on Sundays. And, you know, you eat all kinds of meat and different parts. of so it's the first time I had blood sausage. And so his roommates and did that for us and um we watched soccer and drank lots of red wine and then they're like hey los fabulosos are giving a concert like do you guys want to go and it was free and so we're like sure and uh so we went down and it was just this like first the concept of a free concert like los fabulosos are like very big um rock stars in argentina and so Um, The fact that they would even give a free concert was kind of amazing for their fans. And uh, they played this song and the crowd just went crazy. And everyone was just joyful and and dancing. And like, also some of the lyrics are like, everything's going to be okay. Like, dance until you drop. And it was a really powerful feeling to feel that sense of belonging in a foreign country. I just felt like I kind of blended into the crowd and everyone was just joyful, you know, as, as the song and other songs played as well. And I was starting to understand the song, the lyrics too, a little bit. That's where I started to become fluent in Spanish.
1: Were you familiar with the band before this moment? No. So this was like your introduction?
2: Yeah, this was my introduction to them and I really like them. I think they've like collaborated with David Byrne or something like that. but. Huh.
1: Well, let's listen to it. Okay. Imagining you in that moment. uh, So it's Revolution Rock, Uh and the band is called Los Fabulosos. Cadillacs. Cadillacs. Uh Released in 1988
2: on their album... Ritmo Mundial.
1: Thank you for doing that. (laughs) This is Janine Zeitlin's second song on this episode of Three Song Stories.
2: It's just kind of joyful. Like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Like... Yama, like Yama, like your your old lady like call your old man like you know it's just a lot of like fun
1: (laughs) what was the last time you listened to it
2: um honest like sometimes i'll play los fabulosos like just to hear them because i like other songs of theirs too so um probably in the last few years
1: easy pick for this show
2: yeah, that one was an easy pick. It was like which what would but which one would best kind of express
1: that time? And yeah, place. that time. And Do place. you keep up with any of the folks you were hanging out with during that time?
2: Um, not really, just like on Facebook, um, but. I don't know how much biography you want (laughs) that's a
1: line for you to draw
2: Okay, so well, I'll share it because yeah in Argentina I met my first husband so yeah and it was like a starter it was kind of a starter marriage Um, so that didn't last very long but so yeah I kept up with him for a while
1: (laughs) did he come back to the states with you or did you live there
2: Uh, yeah we went back and forth for a while. So we did long distance. And then when I moved, he was part of the reason I moved to, I chose Florida also because it was a good newspaper state. I thought it would be an easier transition for him because he was uh, only a Spanish speaker at the time. And um, then, so he was here, he was kind of going back and forth and then 9-11 happened and he couldn't get a visa. And we had to decide, okay, are we going to get married or end the relationship. So we decided to get married, and it lasted maybe like two years. Gotcha. I was in my early 20s and mid-20s, and now I think of, like, people that age, and I'm like, don't get married so early.
0: (laughs) children. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, So before you ended up in Florida for a newspaper job, what was your first job in journalism?
2: My first job in journalism... Well, internships, like, but this was my, in Florida was my first. So this was your first. Yeah, this was my first job. Marco Island. I was, um, I was hired by the Naples Daily News to be in their Marco Island Bureau. Huh. Yep. (laughs) It was at at the time, like it was a newspaper boom times. So we honestly, we had this huge office and we had two staffs, one, which was for like the Marco Eagle and one, which was for the Marco Daily News. So um like there was like 20 people covering Marco Island.
1: <laughs> Those were different times. <laughs> Those are
2: different that's times. A crazy
1: sentence. That's.
2: Yeah. That's... How many people
1: live on Marco Island, do you think? <laughs>
2: Um I think there was like 15,000 when I was there and that would go up like during 20 the. people. <laughs> it was hard to find stories. Yeah. You'd like it learnt, it taught me how to be like really diligent in finding stories because sometimes we'd just ride around the island like luckily I could cover Everglade City though too so yeah. that was part of my beat so that was really interesting to me like going into the Everglades so that was not that you know no digs on Marco Island but it was it was a it was like a rude awakening uh To get there,
1: had you spent any time in this part of the world before coming here?
2: no, just uh just Disney World
1: Gotcha. You know? I was going to ask you if there's culture shock, but if you just spent a bunch of time in South America, probably not that much culture shock from coming from either cornfields or New York City.
2: Yeah, it was a culture shock though I would say, but it was <sighs> Marco was a culture shock. <laughs> yeah, I've so, been there once. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've been there really? once.
1: I went there one time.
2: It's beautiful, but, like, people— It's
1: got a lot of tall buildings.
2: It's a lot of tall buildings. <laughs> yeah, Marco was a culture shock. I do remember, like, when I first got there, I was in this, like, condo. It was, like, a short-term rental, and it looked out on a bay Or and— uh, it was really impressive to see the weather here It because it was in the summertime. And I remember, like, just tropical storms. That was, like, gorgeous. I kind of fell in love with the weather of that kind of weather and the skies and... But I was in, like, this, like, older person's condo that was decorated with seashells. That was the culture shock. I can
1: picture that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So how long did you work the Marco Beat before you moved on to some other role within the organization?
2: Oh, about 18 months. Okay. Yeah. And then
1: what did you do next?
2: Um, Then I went to Bonina, and then I went to Naples. Um, Yeah. And I feel like because it's musical, I got really tired of driving to Marco, and I would turn on the Ramones and sometimes slip off the island as I came in. <laughs> so okay, I can, that's a great image. Yeah.
1: Um, before we get a little further into the work that you've done, um, we, you talked about you know having twenty people to cover Marco Island. Yeah. You know. What did you call it? The glory days of of The boom times? Yeah, it was the boom times. So you're still with Naples Daily News, which is now part of USA Today Network. So it's all kind of just been merged down. Can you reflect on the size of the team now versus the size of the team then? Is it is it 25% as big? Is it 10% as big?
2: So let's see. Um, it's a good question because so after Naples, then I left for a year and I went to travel and then I went to Miami New Times and then I went to the news press. Okay. Gotcha. So it's hard to say, but yeah, I mean, basically two, it's maybe 50%, like two, basically two newspapers became one. Gotcha. And that's about the staff size. I always
1: reflect on back when they had, you know, reporters at the high school football games. Now that they don't even have, I'm sorry, I don't mean to harsh on newspapers, but now we don't even have people at the county commission meetings, let alone the high school football games. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a different time.
2: Yeah, and yeah, Bonita, we were like two, there's the Bonita Daily News and then the news press also had a Bonita Bureau. And I think there was probably like 15 people in the, um, the Naples Daily News Bureau of Bonita when I was there. And the news press also had a handful of people, and now there's no Bonita Bureau. You know, there's no Bonita Bureau. It doesn't exist physically. <laughs> so,
1: Do you have a favorite story that you've covered over the years?
2: Oh, my goodness. I've covered so many stories. I don't have...
1: Maybe favorite's not the right word. Either. Yeah.
2: Hmm. I have a lot of stories that I have enjoyed doing, kind of... Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've done some like serial narratives where I've gotten really deep into people's lives. Um, and, um, so those have been really fulfilling cause you like people allow you into their lives and they're vulnerable before you. And I'm still in touch with some of those, um, people and, um, but in terms of like actual change, it's fulfilling to see to do a story and like I did some reporting in Charleston Park and their bad water the situation. The water situation, yeah, I yeah. That. And a bunch of people got together after that reporting and um, put together like a coalition to bring reverse osmosis systems into the community. So that was that was super. Like as a journalist, that's a moment when you're like. Oh, you know, it really makes you feel good about the work that you're doing.
1: Um, Have you done any work covering the skunk ape? Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I, I knew the answer to okay. that question. <laughs> that was a fun story.
2: Oh my gosh, that was so fun! <laughs> Tell our listeners
1: the nexus between skunk apes and uncooked lima beans. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you're supposed to set out lima beans to like attract the skunk ape. So you know if you want to attract the skunk ape, you can create little piles, get some lima beans, and maybe the skunk cake will appear. Dave Shealy is also one of my favorite Southwest Florida characters. I don't know if you've ever interviewed him. I have
1: not interviewed him. I would love to. I did in the, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I ran a bar downtown called Liquid Cafe, and he would come through there. So I kind of knew him socially mm-hmm. during a very wild time in the world for me. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um uh tell our listeners then what a skunk ape is because certainly somebody listening is like what are they talking about
2: okay so the skunk ape it's a good question i mean i can't i don't really know how you define a skunk ape but it's like it's like, Big like for, foot, it's like florida,
1: florida bigfoot B- florida bigfoot yeah. florida yeti florida yeah. sasquatch
2: florida bigfoot and it's kind of like you know there's been some sightings in the everglades and there's been some talk that it could be Dave Sheely or his brother dressed up as the skunk ape, but there's also been some sightings in the Sarasota area as well. And when I spent some time with da- at Dave Sheely's place, like he let us camp on his grounds, like he also said, and I'm not sure like the exact historical accuracy of his statements, but. Like that it there is some lore in the, that maybe there It goes deeper back that than deeper, him. Right, right back than him that um, maybe the skunk ape exists.
1: I, you didn't think you were going to be talking about no, the I didn't. Today, know do you? This between between this and the Les Stroud episode, <laughs> yeah. sorry, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, before we get to your third song, let's talk about "Last Ride."
2: Okay, all right. Uh,
1: tell our listeners what that is. This is a podcast that you've been working on in collaboration with us here at the station on a story about.
2: It is about two men who vanished um, in. 2003 and 2004, three months apart. After that, they were last um, they were both last seen with the same sheriff's deputy, and they've never been seen again. And the sheriff's deputy um, has never been arrested or charged in the disappearances.
1: And you've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. And it it seems like there's a lot of loose ends. Fair to say?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the sheriff's deputy was fired. There were a lot of inconsistencies in his statements. And I've been going through the polygraphs that he did back in 2004. And um, he failed one of the polygraphs. So the polygraphs are problematic. Some people say they're total junk. So, but he did lie in his statements.
1: So, if you came here not too long after nine eleven that would have you covered it back then, right? And I, that would have been maybe one of your first like bigger stories.
2: That was one of my first investigative stories. So when I moved to the Naples office, um I forget someone told me about the story, and I was like, "Well, I haven't heard heard that um and so I looked into our archives, and the Naples paper hadn't done very much. And so I asked my editor, can we do some more reporting and uh or can I do some more reporting? And so I did and I did my first story on that in January two thousand six. Um, but the men disappeared, the second man disappeared, Terrence Williams in January two thousand four. Um so that's it it happened when I was in Bonita. So I wasn't really aware about it until I came to Naples.
1: Could you even have imagined at the time that 16 years later you would still be working on this story?
2: No, not at all. It's one of those stories that definitely has stuck with me, though. It's like haunted me. And um, I'm friends with uh, Facebook friends with Terrence Williams's mother. So I'll see periodic updates. And it's just kind of like one of those. I honestly thought it would be solved when I was when i first did the story i was like they'll find out they'll find something someday and they're just um they just never have and seems like oh there'll be some there's like when tyler perry got involved i was very hopeful like something's going to happen and and then there was a lawsuit in 2018 and something's going to happen but it's just never no resolution
1: how has the process of putting a podcast together been
2: Painful. <laughs> it's
1: a lot of, lot of. It's a, it's a can with a lot of worms. It, in it is, it
2: is, it is. It's painful but fulfilling. Like I've, it's um, it's the deepest story you know that I've done because it feels like I'm writing a book at this point.
1: Well, it'll be released at some point called the Last Ride. Yes. It's uh, so the mm. third song time.
2: Okay, you, we can play that one first.
1: We can play that one mm. first. I'm gonna let you say
2: it. Okay.
1: Um. So this is.
2: Le Negres Vert Um that's the song sorry I'll say the song first then Voila La Ete and Le Negres Vert
1: and it's off their 1988
2: album MLA <laughs> 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 your guess is good of mine
1: M-L-A-H <laughs> MLA it's Janine Zeitlin's final song on this week's episode of Free Song Stories what language is that?
2: French. I thought, okay, I, I
1: didn't want to assume. Um, okay, what's the story?
2: Okay, so um, so after my disastrous first marriage, I met my my current husband, and, whose name is Mark, and uh, we got married. He, he's from France, and um, we got married in the south of France in a vineyard um, where his parents have a home. And after, afterwards, we, like, traveled around Corsica. And um, so because it was the summertime, that song was playing on the radio a lot. It's like, it's summer. Summer's here. You know, so it's summertime again. So uh, it was just really good memories of driving around France, newly, newly married. And then when we got back to Southwest Florida, um, I was not, like, it was kind of a, a shock because <laughs> I... It's
1: not South France. It was not
2: South of France. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and I was in my 30s then. And so, like, in my 20s, they were kind of filled with these global adventures. Like, I studied in Madrid. I traveled alone in Guatemala. And I was living in Miami for a while. So it was a shock to be like, okay, now this is, this is South- Southwest Florida is your home. And this song really kind of represents that. Time when Southwest Florida became home um, because I soon after um, I became pregnant with our first daughter and then we had a second and um, we decided to you know settle here. My husband's a coastal engineer um, and we we met here. He's got he had a work when before we got married he his work visa was tied to his job here. So, you know, Southwest Florida really had to be home when, if we need, if we wanted to be together. Um, and so, uh, so the song kind of, I hear it in two different ways because sometimes I'm really, really happy to be here. Like, I'm like, it's summer. It's like summer all the time. And like when you're in the pool or when you're in the Everglades and, You know, when you have the beautiful skies and it's summer, but then there are definitely moments that I hear it differently, like, okay, it's still summer. Yeah, go away, summer. again, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So the lyrics I hear differently depending upon my mood about uh, Florida in the moment.
1: (laughs) You guys ever put that on and dance to it?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's definitely like one of our songs. Yeah. Do you
1: get to go back and spend time there. He still we do. connections there, I presume? Yeah, his whole
2: family is there. So we, we're actually going back in um a couple of weeks. It will be uh three three years since he's seen his family because of his because of the pandemic. So this is the first time. But we used to go like every other year.
1: Uh how old are your daughters?
2: They are twelve and seven.
1: Um, has the 12-year-old come home with any music yet that made you raise your eyebrow?
2: No, it's funny you should ask that because she's like a super old soul. So what she listens to is even um, even earlier than what I listen to. So she really is into the Andrews sisters Oh, and Louis Armstrong right now. <laughs>
1: Where'd she come across <laughs> that? Just YouTube?
2: Yeah, just just Spotify. Just- yeah, yeah, I think I forget how Andrew's sisters how she came across the Andrew's sisters. But through the band, I think she's gotten into jazz. And ah, so,
1: so she playing middle school band?
2: Yeah, she plays in middle Where? school band at Three Oaks okay. Middle. Trombone shorty—that's not one she has like introduced she's me a to. She's a trombone player. Trombone player. My mm-hmm. daughter played trombone for three years in oh, middle school. Oh, nice! Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I like—it's amazing that she's she's doing it. It's like a it's a big instrument to carry around. But <laughs>
1: has the younger one uh, developed any musical sensibilities yet?
2: Not yet. Like she she she, she likes like the French pubs that. My husband will put on like Jane they they all like Jane, and she likes there's like this one um they've been watching The Simpsons a lot lately, and uh there's this one old song I can't think of the name of it now, but I could ask them <laughs> that they play all the time, and I'm like, enough, so
1: <laughs> do you speak French?
2: uh I speak like un petit peu pas très bien <laughs> like I can do like basic sentences. Um but not very well. I understand a lot.
1: Do you speak any other languages besides Spanish?
2: No. Just uh just a little rough French.
1: A little rough French.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um okay. Uh musicals. Musicals. Are you into musicals at all?
2: Um yeah, I like to watch them. Like my parents used to take us. You said
1: Annie.
2: Annie, before. I liked Annie. I remember seeing Starlight Express uh, and Big River, and my, my parents would take us to a lot of musicals, and w- my husband and I, we liked, uh, we liked Hamilton, of course, a lot, and, like, Come From Away, come from away when uh-huh. it was here, and I just watched West Side Story. My husband didn't, wasn't into that one, but I, d- I was, I couldn't, I like them.
1: Uh, what about movie musicals?
2: Movie musical.
1: I guess Annie again. Yeah. <laughs> did Annie. you watch the live Annie they did last year with I Harry did. Connick Jr.? I
2: did. I And I had the girl, I had my kids watch it too. They got to see it. I was just eight. so proud
1: of the girl that played Annie. Yeah, she you know, was, just tremendous. was just like I was just proud of that. Yeah,
2: yeah. She was tremendous. It was weird
1: seeing Harry Connick with the bald thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It was a little distracting. I couldn't unsee it. (laughs) I know. I agree. It was. It was like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Couldn't you just shave your head for this one? Because, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: um, Okay. uh, We're going to speed round. Okay. Uh, Nickname. Do you have a nickname that's stuck over the course of your life that you'd be willing to share with us?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, Not really. I mean, people like nothing that has stuck with me it stuck.
1: Okay. That's good <laughs> enough. Um karaoke, Oh I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah,
2: maybe a little bit. Jay Z. Jay
1: Z. Jay Z. I yeah. guess that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was able to sort that out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> What's your middle name? Anna. Jazz.
2: Jazz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was one. That was one. It didn't stick, but that was one nickname over the years.
1: Uh karaoke.
2: Um I've done it once. um, Were you dragged into it? No, actually, um, Lynn Milner, who you guys have had on, and artist Henderson and I had a little, did like a little trip to Casadega. Do you know Casadega? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, I love Casadega. It's this like old spiritualist colony in Central Florida. And, oh. you, and you can go there and... I was thinking can... it was a Mexican restaurant. No, Coral. <laughs> no, <laughs> It's way cooler. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I love Mexican restaurants too, but Casadega is pretty magical. So it's a...
1: What is, had it's, it's, in, a it's in Volusia. A, a mystical colony? It's, colo- what it's you spiritualist.
2: Call it? A spiritualist? Yeah, spiritualist co- uh, colony. Like, I think it was like the... And they do karaoke there? Well, <laughs> so we were there for the spiritualism and, and like psychic readings just because we... it's
0: the psychic capital of the world
2: wow, wow. I didn't know of the world yeah
0: whole town of psychics
2: they are there's like a whole they town hear of us right town now of yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so karaoke
3: okay so <laughs> whole town of psychics karaoke right.
2: <laughs> Casadega after dark there's like at the Casadega hotel there's karaoke and um like we were talking, Lynn Artis and I were talking about like uh, what karaoke song we could do. But then Artis got tired, so she went home. But Artist's song was like Country Roads. And so uh, Lynn and I were like, oh, we just decided to stick around and we're like, maybe we should do the karaoke. And so we did Country Roads. And Casadega, and that was my only karaoke, and it was pretty bad, but it was fun. Okay.
1: <laughs> maybe you'll have another opportunity.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If you were a championship wrestler, what would be your song that you would enter the arena to?
2: Oh, my gosh. What's, like, maybe Eye of the Tiger? though That seems a little cliche. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it could be your song. Okay. <laughs> What's your wrestler name?
2: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so one of my nicknames was, like, Mean Green Janine. So I could also use it as my wrestling name. Why didn't you bring that up before? (laughs) But it didn't stick. It was – I made, like, chocolate chip cookies and put green food coloring in them when I was a kid. And so it was, like, one person. It was, like, a very temporary nickname.
1: If you were a cocktail or drink of some kind, what would it be if it was – you know, if it had – it represents your essence.
2: Hmm. What what is the green stuff? Uh, absinthe. Absinthe, yes. Some kind of like absence infused seltzer water. Like not too much, just a little bit. <laughs> like not pure absence, just like infused with it.
1: Have you come across much absinthe in your day?
2: <laughs> no, I, I tried
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like something just... you'd have to be in, in Argentina or France
2: for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. But I, I, I think they sell, I'm, I'm not sure, but I feel like they sell some version of it now.
0: Yeah, it It, you, it was until until 2007 illegal in the states but uh, i guess i haven't checked it's since now legal 2007. again to import yeah huh i don't like it that's licorice i had chasing, it when so, i went to france yeah. as well and was, yeah the presentation with the sugar and everything and
1: no. it's a lot it's a it's a whole thing not a yeah li-
0: not a black licorice fan. yeah yeah
1: what would your cocktail be called
2: oh gosh i like the word elixir but i don't feel like that's a popper that's like not specific enough mean gene
1: if, if i if i can
0: <laughs> if i can impose yes. they call it the green fairy so you oh, could it could be the mean fairy the
2: mean fa- oh i like it i like it mean green fairy, I mean, like fairy. fairy. ish
1: <laughs> do you have any tv theme songs that you know the words to that if we pulled it up on youtube you could sing along
2: maybe the golden girls i don't know that's possible <laughs>
1: let's give it a shot
0: okay. <laughs> thank,
2: thank you for being, being a friend, a friend. Traveling down the road road and back back again Again. Your heart is true You're a friend and a (laughs) confidant
1: We're doing good
2: (laughs) And if you threw a party (laughs) (laughs) Invited everyone you knew You You would steal the fingers from me And the card attached would say Thank Thank you for being a a friend
1: friend. right. big Golden Girls fan,
2: <laughs> I was. I really liked the Golden Girls.
1: <laughs> what wasn't to like about it? I know?
2: know, I know. I need to go a back and watch yeah, it. The classic question so, which Golden Girl do you most identify with? Oh my goodness, I don't feel like I identify.
3: I don't think that's a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> with <any of> them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who are you, Richard? Uh, I'm Who are wife. you, Richard? Richard no, I'm, um, which yeah. is, uh, um, Sophia. the, yeah, Sophia's the old, like, the mom, right? I'm not, like. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm crotchety and old.
2: Yeah. Maybe a little Dorothy. Like, I kind of like Dorothy's, yeah. like. Sweetness. And, like, she's just strong and kind of, like, sarcastic. I like her sarcastic. <laughs> the dry wit. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, If you had to guess, what song would you say you've listened to the most times in your life?
2: Hmm. Maybe canon indeed.
0: Used <laughs> to so work a lot of weddings.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that was a song that kind of drew me back to wanting to um play violin again, so I listened to it a lot. It was like one course. of the calming That's <laughs> because
0: violins get like the only part of that song that's like interesting and, and I love that song, but like everybody else is just kind of holding it down a yeah.
2: like, hundred <laughs> measures. That's my goal is to be able to play Canon and D again. So
1: you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you listened to Classical on our HD channel. Yeah. When did when did listening to Classical become part of your, you know, routine?
2: It's always been honestly. Yeah. yeah, I think just playing classical music for a little bit poorly <laughs> like has made me appreciate it. So, that's one thing my husband and I do like to do. Like we'll go to like a chamber music concert or we'll go to the orchestra and hear um so yeah, it's just always kind of in the background. It's my go-to like it's a soothing like if I'm reading as well or we'll play it <clears> on Sundays.
1: You ever do any fiddling?
2: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, like Orange Blossom Special. That's uh-huh. also like <laughs> <laughs> That's we also both enjoy that. Yeah, it. like bluegrass. Like whenever there's like a bluegrass concert in town, like we try to hit that up too. Because if I can think of like music in Florida that I like, it's like bluegrass. Like I like bluegrass.
1: Alliance yeah. brings in some good bluegrass. Yeah, shows they do in the, in the Folds Theater there. Yeah, I used to run sound for those back in the day. And, nice, and good times. Yeah. Um, song you wish you could hear again for the first time
2: oh that's a tough question i don't know can i pass on that one yes okay
1: <laughs> album you wish you could hear again for the first time <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, I think maybe maybe I'd go back to Space Oddity since it was kind of a formative. It was like the first album I really connected with.
1: Do you have a favorite song? No. If you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet simultaneously, which song would you provide to them?
2: Oh, my gosh, these are really hard questions. <laughs> I don't know. It would be some song that would make everyone a little more kind and peaceful, but I'm not sure what that song would be.
1: Best album of all time, in your opinion?
2: Mm. Uh, again, I think I, I'm like, I'm not a musical nerd enough to have like favorites and best, like my and cha- like my musical taste change so frequently. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs>
1: You're pretty bad at the speed round. <laughs> <laughs> I, know,
2: I am. I am. <laughs> I could have prepared more if I had the questions. No, the that's end. okay. The uh, speed uh, round that... is not very speedy in my <laughs> That's not how it works.
1: Um uh, do you have a fourth song that almost made it uh onto the show that you had to cut? And if so, do you have like a real short version of the story?
2: Um Uh yeah, there was another one like the <sighs> It's, um... They said it's, um, by... Who is it by? They said it's by Edith, Edith Pf, but I don't think it, it is. Um, je ne peux pas, It's like, je ne peux pas travailler. It's like, I can't work. I can't sleep. I'm just gonna smoke. <laughs> it might require some Googling.
1: <laughs> What's
2: the story? Um... I just, like, uh, that's, like, my the existential dread side of me. Like, sometimes there's just moments in life, like, you're, like, you're just so overwhelmed. And it's not a specific story, but it was, like, um, well, it is kind of specific. Like, once our second daughter was born, she was born in August, um, and our AC went out. And it was like I had a newborn at home, and it was just like, ugh, you know, like what are we gonna do? It's frigging August. Like I was miserable, and uh, the lyrics are like, you know, you can't do anything, so just like have a smoke. And I don't smoke, but I just liked like <laughs> that. I just like that kind of attitude about life sometimes that. You know, sometimes it just sucks, but just, like, do what you can <laughs> and, like,
0: smoke. Did, did you say there was an artist for—was there a name that you had to go with that?
2: <laughs> it's, um—
0: Just Googling the lyrics. So <laughs>
2: rough. Like, je ne—it's like, um, je fume—maybe fais... je fume?
0: Fais... Oh, I'm—I'm I'm gonna be—
2: Let's see. we am Let... try
0: to Google in French.
2: Okay. <laughs> but it's, like, uh, what's the—what is the—it's, mm-hmm. like, an American band— Though that's kind of co opted it, but they say it's by Edith Piaf, but it maybe isn't by Edith Piaf. Like, I looked up the historical background of it, um,
0: and I can't um, think of
2: their names right now.
0: Could the song be called Jifum?
2: It could be. The end, like, sometimes the NPR, um, <laughs> there's like an NPR guy who sometimes, Ari Shapiro, sometimes. Pig Martini? Yes, Pink
1: Martini. <laughs> Ari Shapiro plays with Pink Martini. Sometimes he sometimes.
2: guests, yeah, guess <gasps> with them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: that's nice. So this reminds you of being miserable after the birth of your daughter.
2: <laughs> and just being like overwhelmed, but just, but it's a good song when you're having a day, and you're just like, like I can't do anything. It's like I can't work. I can't eat. I just want to forget. Then I just smoke. <laughs> <laughs> like I just love that aspect of it because it's so cheerful because you're just like, it's really kind of a song about depression too, you know, but it's just, it's, I like it because it's not depressed. <laughs>
1: um, okay. Uh, what would your 14 year old self think of you today?
2: Maybe like a little surprised, but I was always, yeah, maybe. I don't know.
1: Would she be surprised at as much traveling as you've done?
2: No, because I, I, gl- I wanted to travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I remember like a missionary came to speak to our church, and I was like, I want to be a missionary. And then I realized what missionaries did like later in life, and I was like, I don't think I want to be a missionary. But then I thought about being like, oh, maybe I want to be a foreign correspondent. But then I'm also – like, I kind of like the comforts of life of and not getting shot at, you know, so.
1: You only stay in a hostel so many times. Right,
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I've got, yeah, I've gotten used to having nice beds and stuff, so.
1: Uh, okay, you've done it. It is time for you to recommend your three people.
2: Okay. Um, so it can be people who aren't local. It
1: can be anybody.
2: Okay. So John Neeson, he's my, he's like a super, he was my Mephiscopheles concert mate. Right, um, or who you skanked with. Who I skanked with, and we're still friends, and he's like a huge music death metal, so he'd bring a lot of interesting music to the table. And is still in New York? Or? He's still in New York. Okay, uh-huh. we
1: have studio connection there.
2: Oh, nice. And I think he'd be up for it, too, because he would loves to talk about music. He would have, like, all, on your speed round, he'd know everything. Um, <laughs> Liz Keller, she's locally. Uh, she's a friend who I first met um, we were competitors when Marco had two bureaus. <laughs>
1: Fighting over the if, dirt on Marco.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still friends. Is she
1: still doing journalism?
2: Um, She doesn't, but she's a writer. But she is, Um, I think it's okay to mention, she's in the process of opening a bookstore. Oh, awesome. Yeah, independent, hopefully. Awesome. And the enables. world needs more of Yeah, those. exactly, exactly. And what's the last probably gotten I'm not sure if Artis Henderson would do it but have um, but she would she hasn't done it yeah you can ask her yeah (laughs) she'd be good too um, and my neighbor she's a ping like a professional ping pong coach her name is Pervy. I don't know her last name but the fact that she's a professional ping we pong coach we don't
1: allow four recommendations okay, unless sorry. the fourth one is a professional ping pong coach
3: she, well that's the
2: one I didn't that. know her last name I didn't know her last name so then I was like I don't know if she officially counts so but she, yeah she's fascinating
1: you get four. Okay. <laughs> okay, you did it. Do you have any final thoughts?
2: I don't think so. Yeah, I think so. For- oh, I did remember my favorite story uh, that I've done as a journalist. Um, for Gulf Shore Life once, uh, I got an assignment to channel the voice of a stuffed crocodile at the Everglades Wonder Gardens. So my assignment was to write from this perspective of old Joe, so I got to like take on a voice of. I kind of developed like a like taxidermy crocodile. <laughs> yeah, a oh, at first I, mean, I thought we
1: were talking about like a plush animal.
2: No, no, it was a <laughs> like it's. There's a legendary. There was a legend. I think it was a crocodile, not an alligator. I, I'm not sure exactly, but he his he's in Everglades Wonder Gardens now, and his name is Old Joe. He's taxidermy. Familiar. Okay, <laughs> and. So my editor, um, David Sendler, at the time, uh, he said, can you write a story of the Everglades Wonder Gardens from the perspective of this taxidermied um, old Joe? And I was like, okay. <laughs> but it was so much fun. <laughs> so I developed my own voice for the dead crocodile. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for doing this. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: We make three song stories at the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Chinkui is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Calligan is our online content producer and host. Audio production is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez, and Chris Duffis is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Bunky House Studio in St. Pete. For our parting tune this week, we're going back one year to episode 171 with Dongjing Kang. Dongjing's Jing's an assistant professor at the Department of Communication and Philosophy here at FGCU, but her story takes us back to where she was born in Sichuan, China.
3: Getting up at 6.30 and going back to the dorm at 9.30 30, very set schedule. My times of sneaking out to shop these illegally imported CDs yeah. and uh, wandering around the bars were basically during the weekend. One of these nights, I just uh, clamped over the fence again and uh, jumped out, uh, took a two-hour-long bus ride to the city center. Hmm. Under the bridge, there was a group of vendors riding bikes at the time. Um, the, one of the vendors told me, oh, these are not legal cities. They had another turn to describe this is a hidden market, black market mm-hmm. here. Um, one of these nights, I just found this cool cover a naked baby mm-hmm. swimming to grab that a dollar bill yeah. it was a dollar yeah. bill ten dollar bill i don't really remember but it's like a fishing a baby with a one dollar bill that was a uh, really good art and i said okay i took a look okay it's nirvana's oh never mind oh never mind that sounds cool <laughs> <laughs> i grab it but uh, another kid he grabbed it too he said i want that to the vendor so I basically stare at him really hard. <laughs> he just walked away. Yeah. And okay, that's mine.
0: Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. My daughter came home one day and she said, Yeah, we went and we saw the monnets today. And I went, "Monets? Yeah, we saw the monnets. I went, Oh, the <laughs>